This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey up, it's the No Name Ever podcast, with your host, Jamie Smith. Good evening, and welcome to tonight's podcast. With me today are James Berg, Kevin Robinson, Adam Priestley, and Andrew Frost. Um, lots and lots to get through today. I want to talk quite a lot about the crowd issues, so if you've got any opinions on that, please get them to us, and we will get them read out. Um, but we are going to start with looking back at Tuesday night's game, the Watford game. Um, Burnley went into that game on the back of a, a little winless run and it was nil-nil, not that much action. Um, so we won't talk about it that much. Um, Adam, we'll start with you. You're new to the podcast. What did you make of Burnley's two performances this week, in particular the, the Watford game? Um, I thought the Watford game, a bit of a long time ago, actually, if I can remember. Uh, no, we uh, we weren't playing as well as we have been doing this season, which I think led to a bit in the crowd, uh, a bit of frustration among the crowd, whether that's fair or not, I'm not sure. Um, we, I mean, all season we've been, Sean Dash has been talking about, and we have been playing a really good pressing game, and that just didn't seem to be there the whole game, really, against Watford. Um, there were a few long balls, a bit like in the first half against Barnsley. Uh, we weren't closing people down as much, and it just seemed either whether we were tired or what, I don't know, uh, but it was. A bit boring as well. But, you know, to be fair, Watford are a good side. And I think maybe teams are starting to take it seriously and stop us from playing. I don't know. I think both sides probably struggled a little bit with um, just the lack of confidence. Maybe it was a couple of months since Watford had won and we were a month without a win. Did you did you see that in the, in the match, the fact that both sides were feeling their way into form a little bit? Yeah, I mean, neither side really got into a full flow, if that's what you mean. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, they look nervy. What about you, Andrew? You were at the at the Watford game as well, weren't you? Um, yeah, I went on. Um, to be honest, I thought it was really poor that game. Um, it reminded me quite a bit of last season, towards the end when we were struggling to create chances. There was just a serious lack of creativity that night. Um, I thought Trippier was probably our most creative, and he's a he's a right back, so. That said it all, um, I think it was just we were lacking a plan B. Like, our first 11, don't get me wrong, can match anyone in the league. It's just like we had Ings injured and Marnie injured. We're just, just lacking that plan B to break teams down. 
What What do you think the answer to that is? Why do you think? Is it just the lack of bodies? The Watford game, we had three teenagers on the bench, didn't we? Just because there were so many missing. Yeah, um, I think there's definitely a lack of bodies. We need to probably strengthen in the January transfer window if we can. Obviously, bringing in an attacking player, but um, also I think the players that did play, Junior Stanislas and Keith Tracy, were to be to be blunt, they were pretty awful. Um, junior especially if them corners were so frustrating to watch he had about four corners in a row which couldn't get past the first man but it's just you expect these players to step up everybody should be high in confidence and be playing well but they just didn't No I mean I'd agree with that uh, I, I'd agree with that uh, I don't think Junior had a good game at all um, good to see him start but just didn't manage to produce it can be uh, it can be really good when he comes on you know can make it from the wing into the inside towards the D, but um, no, he just didn't didn't have uh, didn't have a good game at all, and I think that showed when he got to, took off as well. Is it a bit of a disappointment that, that players like Stanislas and Tracy who got the opportunity against Watford um, just because of of a lack of other bodies? Do you think that was disappointing for the manager that these players didn't take their opportunity? Either of you two, really. Personally, um, I, I've never been convinced by Stanislas, to be honest. I think, bar the goal against Blackburn this season, he hasn't really done much to warrant a place in the first 11 for me. Um, but yeah, obviously it's frustrating that he hasn't come in and performed because there was bits of last season where he was probably, in some games, our best player, but he's just not shown that this season. And Tracy's just one of them who one day will produce one of their magic balls and then the other day, he's just goddamn awful, so... It's a bit of a tough one for Dash. It's what do you do? Well, I think I think what he did do is bring um, Kitely on, who, who made an instant, well, probably the highlight of the game, if there was a highlight of that game. Um, yeah, and he had a real impact on the left wing there. You know, play, playing fairly high and uh, beating a few men and getting the odd crossing wasn't to last the whole game, but uh, you know, it was all right. I thought, yeah, and I can see why. He, I think he did. He start him against uh, Barnsley. I can see why he did that. Just off that performance. I saw Kitely at, at Huddersfield, and he looked a little bit, a little bit off the pace there. So I wonder if um, Dash just took the opportunity to give him a rest and hand a chance for the other two lads. And to be fair, came back with an excellent, excellent goal in the Barnsley game. So maybe that little rest did him some good. Another player who came in for for um, the Watford game was Brian Stock, who I'm going to come to James on because he's got a bit of stick as Stock in the last couple of days, um, he tends to polarise opinion a little bit. How do you think Stock's done in the last couple of games, JB? It is worth pointing out that we haven't conceded a goal in the last two games. Uh, I, think, I think he's been treated a bit of a Tuesday's game, but obviously I, I was listening there. Um, but on Saturday, I thought he, he got stuck in, which is something that he's normally criticised for, as someone who doesn't, doesn't tackle. Um, to be honest, so more Time than I have in all the times of season. So um, he definitely opinion. I think that's what Dean Marks did. Now he's universally loved. Um, I don't think you can always take what our fans think. That's what you're uh... uh, I'm not sure what's going on with James there. <laughs> he went a bit robotic. <laughs> We'll try and get James back. We've had some connection problems on the podcast quite recently, so we will try and get this fixed. Um, Kevin, we'll bring you in on this point. Um, 
so this, on the three lads in particular who came in for the last couple of games, Stock, Stanislas and Tracy, do you think any of them have, have deserved to get a run in the side or is it going to be back to the same 11 when everyone's fit again? Sorry, who was that to? That was to Kevin. Is Kevin there? Oh, this is a shocker. Andrew Frost will come back to you on Brian Stock. Yeah, um, I obviously went on the Tuesday night game and I, I'm quite a fan of Stock, to be honest. I um, thought he came in and was played pretty decent. He uh, sprayed the ball about pretty well. I think he does work better in a three-man midfield though, Stock. I think um, he often gets like outpaced if we've got a quick opposition centre midfielder. But in terms of passing ability, he's probably one of the better ones in the team. So I think he complimented David Jones that night. I just think... In the long run, I do think Marnie's better, but I, I don't see where the criticism coming from. Obviously, I wasn't there on Saturday against Barnsley, but on Watford, he was probably one of our better players. I think, for me, Stock's one of these that people remember when he when he puts one out of play, but they don't remember the, the 10, 15, 20 times that he finds his own player because he's, he's quite good at the simple stuff, Brian Stock. But sometimes he will go for something a little bit more expansive, and when that doesn't come off, that's what people remember, so... Maybe that's why he's got a bit of stick in the last couple of games. It's a shame James has, has disappeared, actually, because I'm sure James would launch a robust defence of Brian Stock. Um, we'll try again with Kevin. Are you there, Kevin? Hello. <laughs> Hi. Thank goodness for that. We've been dropping like flies on today's podcast. So Stock, Stanislas and Tracy, are any of them worth the regular place? Or, or do you think it's back to the old same 11 when everyone's fit? It's going to be back to the same 11, isn't it? I don't think um, anyone's done an outstanding job after coming in. I think, um, particularly in midfield, our since since mine is gone, our, our form has dropped dramatically. Um, I think he's obviously going to come straight back in. David Edgar was has been a bit of a failure in midfield. Um, Stock has come in we've we've not we've not certainly not uh, returned to the form we had with Marnie in the team so I don't think Dean will be worrying about his place I would uh, I would agree on that about Marnie um, I think we've definitely missed him I think he was one of the uh, key players pressing up with a pressing game um, which which has been missing the last couple of games he was the one you know encouraging people to uh Get in there, get the ball back, you know. Uh, and all against, uh, what I would say, against Watford and the first half in Barnsley, we weren't reacting to passes quick enough. Passes were, you know, the opposition were completing the passes and then we were reacting. Whereas in the second half um, against Barnsley and in previous games, you know, we, we've been cut, we've been getting in there, cutting people down. And I think uh, maybe Stock wasn't doing that. Although he has been linking up very well with uh, Jones in midfield, that's definitely. Definitely one of his strengths. I'm sure we'll all be we'll all be hoping that Dean Marnie does come back um, yeah. sooner rather than later. But our injury does seem to be draining on. James Bird will try you again. I think your internet problems have now been fixed. We're, we're all talking about Brown Stock. What's your response to the, the criticism of Stock in the last few days? Yeah, I'm, I'm stealing next door's internet now, so hopefully this is a bit better. Um, <laughs> I, I don't really get the criticism, to be honest. Um, I didn't see last Tuesday's game, but on Saturday. He, uh, he was definitely stuck in, which is normally, I think, the main criticism of Brian Stock's game, that he's lightweight and can't tackle and you know won't, won't get around as much. Um, but I think I've seen more from him in terms of, sort of getting stuck in hard 
than David Edgar, who uh, who likes the old block tackle, I think. Um, I think what Jamie said about uh, people picking up more on his, his poor passes is true. Obviously, he's a, he's a player who likes an expansive Hollywood pass, and that doesn't come off every time. Uh, the fans seem to remember the ones that end up in the board stand rather than the ones that, you know, like on Tuesday, go corner to corner to trip his feet. Uh, so I think he has been a bit hard done. I don't really get the negativity, and obviously, two clean sheets isn't a bad return from his, his spell in centre midfield. Well, it, I did want to point out the two clean sheets, but he, we did also concede two goals within five minutes of him coming off the bench at Huddersfield. So you've, you've got to take the rough with the smooth, I think. I'm, I'm really glad that someone else got that treatment because that's normally what I get when I talk about Stanislas. So it was really enlightening I'm not, I'm not to, sure you, to hear what it's like sure for somebody really, else to get I'm that not sure treatment. you really blame him for, uh, for Heaton no, him one from Absolutely, it wasn't his fault. I just wanted to point out that it happened. We have got some comments on the live chat that we'll go through before we move on. Um, Thomas Pickles, who, if you haven't been on the site today, wrote an excellent, excellent piece on the crowd problems that we're going to um, go over in much more detail later in the show. Um, Pickles says, Stanley's has his naff, um, so that's the last time we're ever going to hear from Thomas Pickles. It was good to know you. Stasso Pato's been on as well. He says, Stanislas offers a magic that can win a game by scoring a wonder goal, putting a ball over that is undefendable. I like him. Worth remembering as well, for all the criticism of the all the criticism of Stanislas that we did almost beat Rogers thanks to a wonder goal that he scored, so that's what he, he can provide. Ganks has been on as well about Brian Stock. He says he's never seen him give the ball away as much and some of his better passes won't weighted brilliantly either. Stato Pato says Stock and Jones can't play together because both lie too deep. So plenty of ranges of opinions there on Brian Stock. Um, we'll move on to the Barnsley game now. Um, everyone on the podcast last week was quite confident that we were going to brush Barnsley aside fairly comfortably. But it didn't really turn out to be that way. It needed a, a very fine goal from Michael Kyle in the second half to squeeze the points, really. And we were second best for large periods of that match. James, do you think it was the expectations of the crowd? We'll, we'll talk a lot about the crowd later. Why do you think it was that we found it so tough on Saturday? Um, well, I think it comes down to what Sean Dyche said, is that um, it's always toughest to play against teams that have got nothing to lose. And... Uh, Barnsley have clearly got nothing to lose. They've just changed manager. They've sat at the bottom of the league. Um, they can play with a freedom that a team like us can't really sort of play with because we have got something to lose. Obviously, we've got a great position. We're in decent nick. Um, whereas, obviously, they're, they're just really looking for anything. I mean, if they score one and get beat 2-1 by a team that's near the top, that's probably a positive for them at this, at this stage. So they are the difficult type, types of teams to play against. It was quite interesting, though, that you'd think sometimes a team bottom of the league would come and play for a nil-nil and just get men behind the ball, but Barnsley were quite happy to come at us and dominated possession in the first half in particular. I think our possession was only 37% for the first half. Obviously, stats don't tell you everything, but that was quite striking that top of the league, well, we were third at the time, but a team at the top against a team at the bottom, and we didn't really have a kick of the ball after a a promising start. Barnsley were on top. I think 45% of that was all Paddy McCourt, to be honest. Um, other than that, they didn't really have much to offer. Perkins looks looks a decent player, but I mean, apart from that, they they didn't look too dangerous, despite having quite a lot of the ball. Adam, what did you make of Saturday? Do you think 
uh, a little bit of pressure on the players just from being expected to win. What, why do you think it was a bit of a struggle for us on Saturday? Well, I mean, I don't think we struggled in the second half. The first half, we definitely did. Um, I just think we couldn't find a way through the midfield. Um, Jones wasn't finding the passes. Um, Arfield and Jones weren't linking up quite well. There were times when there were three or four players around the ball. There were times when me and Arfield were uh, isolated. And also, we resorted for some reason to the long ball towards walks in the first half, which almost came off a couple of times. But um, yeah, we seemed to be just struggling just to get it through midfield, and we weren't trying to get possession back as much as we have been doing. Some of Sean talked about you know a lot, you know, uh, the transition game, trying to get the ball back, and we didn't seem to do that quite as well in the first half. Different story, second half, I thought, but. Yeah, just just not quite working for some reason, which which did lead to crowd frustration, which then leads to the players being a bit nervy, like you say. I, I suppose when when your team isn't at the top of its game, though, you look to your creative players to to make the difference. And Michael Cowley certainly did that with his his first goal for the club. It was an excellent goal, wasn't it? Excellent goal, excellent goal. And other creative players like Arfield played out, absolutely played out of his skin, man of the match for me in the second half. Yeah, very good goal. There were a few good shots there as well. Uh, Jones had a good shot in the first half and edge of the box. But, uh, we started well, didn't we? I think we could have had two or three in maybe the first ten minutes before before Barnsley came into the game a little bit more. Andrew, have you got any thoughts on, on the Barnsley game and, and why it was so tough for us to get going in that match? Um, I think just picking up from what James said, it's sometimes harder to play the teams who haven't got anything to lose, really. And probably Mickey Mellon would have given him a, a team talk, uh, trying to get him all hyped up for the game, coming to his former club. But it, they're, they're obviously going to try and impress him. They're probably fighting for contracts at the end of the season, let's be honest about it. But they've got some decent players, Barnes. I know they're not probably a championship, one of the biggest teams, but in, uh, I, I quite like Perkins as well. and in McCourt and Mellis, they've got some pretty tricky players who can keep possession, so it's probably just one of them where it just took a bit of time to break them down. Kevin, what about you? You've got a point to make on the Barnsley game before we move on. Oh, are you there, Kevin? Yeah, I think... Uh, I think... <laughs> yep, can you hear me? Yep, <laughs> go ahead. Yep, uh, I think... It was mainly about those. Uh, Barnsley had that new manager. I think when you when you're playing a team who's just changed a manager, we're, we're always it's hard to judge because when 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 you've got a new manager coming in, he always picks the players that we get that extra fifty percent, which we probably didn't have before. They all, the, the players who are in the team want to really impress the manager, so they stay in the team. The players that aren't in the team want to come in and you know possibly get get a place in the team under, under the new manager. Um, similarly, I think it's really good that I think I'm. I'm really glad we won it in the way we did with Kitely's goal. I think that was much more significant than if we just scrapped a little, maybe an own goal, or just knocked it in from a, a knocking of the uh, near post. I think winning it with a real classy goal gives us that bit of confidence. I think we were, I mean, watched our highlights. I think we, at times we looked like we lacked, lacked a little bit of confidence with being with our, with your creative side. I think um, I think when you've got a team who are who throughout the season have played very creatively and played some really nice football like us. I think when, they, when you do, when you get a team like that, it does start to start hitting the balls up long. I think it kind of shows that they maybe are lacking that little bit of confidence. Maybe not got that quite that little bit of edge what they did earlier in the season. So I think to win it with such a bush, what was pretty much a beautiful goal, um, will give that a little bit of confidence. Hopefully to get that, that creative spark back. 
I think that's an excellent point as well. And I, I think Kitely really needed that goal. I've, I've not seen as much from Kitely as I was hoping for. I thought it was going to be a really, really good signing. And his defensive work on, on the wing has been fantastic. But in terms of the final ball and a goal threat, I think he's been lacking. So I was really pleased to see him come up with a, a very good goal that proved to be the winner. Um, a point to, to make on Barnsley before we do some more reader, listener comments as well, um, actually, was the fact that we, we could have had another goal. Sam Volts had one rolled out um, incorrectly for offside. Uh, he's had a bit of bad luck as Sam recently because he scored at Huddersfield and that was debatable as well. That was rolled out. So he could have had two or three more than he has recently. We'll come back to you, Kevin, on Kiley. Um, yeah, I think just what you were saying earlier about not seeing much from Kitely. I think um, I think he's he's been quite deceptive. I think he's been very solid. I think he's been I think he's done a lot more for the team than he's given credit for. I think he's come in and build his big quite quite creative player. who's going to get lots and lots of assists, lots of goals. I think that's that is the sort of player he is. But I think Sean Dykes likes his his wingers to be a lot more solid than we perhaps enjoyed under the likes of Owen Coyle. And Eddie Howe, I think under Coyle and Howe, our wingers were very much go up, run up, be creative, do whatever you want. Whereas I think Sean Dyke's like he's like his his wide players a little bit more solid, um, have it a lot much much more of an attack, attacking unit rather than these two wingers bombing up. I think as I, I think that's evident with with Scott Arfield playing on the right. We've got natural wingers like Junior and Tracy on the bench who can't get in because Arfield's on the right. And I think that's that's because he does like those more solid wingers. So I think Kiteley's probably has to set, step back a little, a little bit more than he would do naturally. Um, I think in Wolves' promotion season, I think he got something like 16 assists and nine goals, something like that. So he's definitely got it in him. I don't think that it's the fact that he's not the same player anymore. I think he's just, the, the way Sean Dyche sits out of his team, I think he wants his, his wide players to to have a little bit more control and be a little bit more solid. I think that's kind of the basis of the, of the whole squad. I think you're right there. He, he likes his talk about his framework, doesn't he? And it's almost two banks of four the way Burnley line up quite often. And the wingers certainly have to cover their full-backs and do a lot of running up and down the wings. Um, Andrew, you think the, the criticism of Kiteley has been a little bit unfair, is that right? Yeah, from the games I've watched, I'd agree with everything that Kev said there. Um, <clears throat> I think it works hard for the team. I don't think he's blessed with blistering pace, what Pete, some people probably thought he would have when he came in. I think a couple of years ago he may have had that, but he seems to have lost it a bit with a few injuries. But I think he's just one of them players who, a bit like Offield, he always works hard, he puts in a shift, and he has got a little bit of spark now and again, which can unlock teams. So I think the criticism he has been receiving from certain fans, on Twitter especially from what I've seen, has been pretty harsh. I think that's fair enough. You certainly get a shift out of Kyle every week, which I'm sure is one of the main reasons why he plays every week. And we've got some more comments to read out. If you are listening on the chat, please do join us with your comments and we'll read them out. It always makes it a better show. And if you're listening and you're on Twitter, you can use the hashtag NNMPod and we'll get those comments read out as well. We've had a comment from Anthony who says, we were a bit slow to react against Barnsley and gave the ball away too much, but they did play better than their league position suggests. I think that's fair enough. Um, Thomas Pickles says, we never look like conceding against Barnsley and that's a massive positive. We haven't been our best attacking recently, but we also don't look like we're going to concede, which always means we'll either draw or nick it. But he also said it could have been 3-0. Volks had an early chance and the offside goal as well. We created at least two other decent chances. It wasn't all limp up front. And on Kitely, Thomas, who's, who's 
very chatty tonight. I don't know why you didn't just come on the podcast if you want to talk so much, Thomas. You've got to come on the podcast with us. He says, Kyle, he's a very, very good player. He works hard, has a trick, has a shot, and he'd walk into many championship sides. And the last comment before we move on to something else um, from Stato Pato, he says, the defence was brilliant on Saturday. Barnes had one chance all game. The Cali goal was why Stoke paid two million quid for him. He's class and he works hard. We are hard to beat, even if our attacking play isn't the best. Whew. Lots and lots of comments there. Um, and we have some news, actually. The one thing that I do need to do before we move on is the Player of the Month award for November. Um, obviously, November wasn't a great month. So interest in the award, um, which we do in conjunction with the Burnley Express, was a little bit thin on the ground this month, we've got to say. But we do need to still award a winner. And it was a unanimous choice when we went through the options on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And the winner is indeed Sam Volks. So Sam Volks holds on to his award from October. That's two monthly awards now for Sam Volks. He'll certainly be up there in the running for player of the year when we do that at the end of the season. So congratulations to Sam Volks. Um, no award for him at the moment. He just gets the honour of knowing he was the best player last month. Um, Adam, it's your first time on the podcast. Um, do you think Sam Volks, player of the month for, for November, was a fair choice? Or do you think somebody else maybe should have got that prize? No, that's completely fair. Um, does a lot of work there. Uh, pretty good in the air, pretty good at getting it down on the ground. And it worked really, really well with Ings. Yeah, that's completely fair. Um, I mean, we've had a lot, of, don't get me wrong, we've had a lot of good players. Um, we're top of the league. Um, we've had, I'd say, our field, probably. Mm, yeah, our field. Could have done, but no, Vokes, that's fair. Completely fair. I was surprised when we went through the panel a couple of weeks ago that Volks was unanimous, but I suppose when you've got a, a month as poor as we were in November, the, the, the players who work extremely hard are always going to be up there. Um, what are the rest of the top four as well? Volks won from Kieran Trippier, who was second. Tom Heaton got third. And fourth place went to the skipper, Jason Shackle. Um, December already looks like a better month, so hopefully we'll have a little bit more to go on. Um, <laughs> This month, we've already started pretty well, so um, yeah, December, December, pushing them a little bit better. But, but Sam Volks was the winner for November. Um, we've had a comment from Ganks asking about the latest on the Sylvan Ebanks Blake transfer. Um, can't give you any update on that, really. I'm not sure where that rumour came from. I was looking into it today and couldn't see the source of the rumour apart from that all the newspapers are now. Um, talking about it as if it's been in all the papers. I'm being told that it was from Alan Nixon, the infamous Mirror journalist, but I, I, I didn't think Nixon actually named him, did he? He just said that it was a, a senior player who's been injured, which seemed to point to Ebanks Blake, but I don't think he actually named him. Um, so, yeah, Sylvan Ebanks Blake is available on a free. I'm sure everyone would be quite happy if we signed him, if he was going to be fit to play a part, but was, I think Sean Dyche denied... Um, he keeps his cards close to his chest always, to Sean, but he denied the link to Ebanks Blake and also Jay Bothroyd. So no news on strikers to bring you, actually, unfortunately. But as soon as we hear anything, we will, of course, like you know, on the podcast. Right, the main thing I want to talk about today is the crowd. If you've been keeping an eye on the website today, you'll see we've published a couple of articles, one from Thomas Pickles and one from Matt Hall, on the, the atmosphere at the turf and, and what can be done to make it better because the crowd has been so impatient recently um, we'll go through all the panel on this one I just want to get everyone's views on what's been going wrong 
with with the crowd and why everyone is so impatient at the moment. What's going on with top of the league now and fans still unhappy? James, I know you've been a little bit outspoken on this already. What do you think the issue is with the crowd? Do you think people just need to be a bit more realistic? What, what do you think the issue is? I think it's been the case for a few years. Pretty much probably as long as I've been going on the turf. Um, our fans have just been atrocious. Someone misplaces a pass. Just everyone... Oh. And, uh, you know, they just, they, this sort of way to praise for good play and mourning for bad play is just so lopsided. Um, I just don't know how, you know, people sort of gauge what they like and not. Um, because, I mean, someone places a, someone passes backwards, for instance. I think Ben Mee took a throw in backwards. And again, everyone groaned. And, it's just not very productive for, for watching good football, is it? Sort of not encouraging the team. I remember Washington actually talking about the backwards passing. I'm sure it was at, at Palace last season in Eddie Howe's last game. We were trying to keep the ball and dominate possession and they were mourning about passes going back to the goalkeeper and working it. And we actually scored from the same piece of possession. So we lost that game quite heavily in the end. But it just goes to show that if you keep the ball, that's obviously the way to score goals. So it, it annoys me when people complain about the ball going backwards. Um, Adam Priestley, yeah, been, sorry, go sorry. on, James. As, as well as that, obviously, it's not just when someone plays a bad pass. There's some people's opinion of, of players. I mean, cheers uh, for junior Stanislas has been a, a regular occurrence this season. A few cheers for Brian Stock getting substituted. I mean, it's just, it's just moronic to be honest absolutely moronic you can understand the the bad passing a bit more because it's frustration isn't it it's a human reaction sometimes to have a bit of a groan but it's premeditated when you're jeering players coming on and off so yeah i absolutely agree that that's just out of order adam Priestley, you've been on the last two home games where there's been a lot of talk about the atmosphere what's what's your take on what the crowd's been like pretty much going to mirror what james has said really it is out of order um, and uh, I think it builds up through a game. So there'll be one or two incidents where a few will start groaning, like a pass will go awry, or a long ball, or we're not closing players down. And people will go, ah, oh, oh, and it just builds up and builds up. Um, but I mean, to counter that, there should be, I don't think it's all the crowd, I think it's a minority, uh, a, verb, a vocal minority. But then the atmosphere has been flat. I mean, there's been no chanting, or, well, a little bit, but not much. Uh, to counter that, really. And I don't know, that is what's amazing me almost more than the groaning. Just like James says, there's always, there's always been groaning, always will be. But recently, there's, to say we're top of the table and we're playing well, um, we, there's no other atmosphere, which, um, apart from maybe, you know, the tannoy system being too loud or the club closing down the singing section of the lower tier, I'm not sure why that's happening. The QPR game, it was quite a good atmosphere for the QPR game, wasn't it? But I suppose yeah. that was top of the table encounter and it was a bigger crowd than normal, wasn't it? Yeah, that's true. And crowds have been low as well. I know the club are working really hard to, to counter the low crowds. Um, but it's, I mean, it's up to the fans, isn't it? If they don't want to turn up, if they can't afford to turn up, then you're not going to get big crowds no matter where in the table you are. I mean, the, the, the lack of atmosphere, I don't know why that's, that's happening. I, th- I don't know. Why, I mean, I don't know why the club closed the singing section down. I know there's been a bit of trouble, but I mean, nothing major. 
I think that's counterproductive. I think if they want a good atmosphere right next to the pitch as well, that's maybe a, a bad move on the club's part up there. Whether anyone else thinks about that. I, I, I think that was an interesting point to raise, actually. I think um, closing down, it's um, NL3, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think it, it's probably a reaction in, um, to the, the Joey Barton incident when someone from that section threw a bottle at Barton in the in the QPR game. And um, I think that's the part of the stadium where there were seats ripped out for the yeah. Rovers game, where um, apparently it cost a couple £30,000 to to um, replace those seats. So there have been issues in there, but whether well, it's a fair trade-off for a bit more atmosphere, I mean, there's it's better ways to say, to but there has been trouble down there. But there are better ways to counter that trouble. But I mean, you don't have to close a whole section up. You can close just a column of seats off, stop people moving from section to section, and make sure people are ticketed for that section, make sure they're on the same row. There's more subtle ways of doing it while still keeping the atmosphere. You know, work with those fans in there instead of just banning it outright. Well, probably the club didn't have a choice in the matter. If it's, if it's anything to do with Lancashire Police, they'd rather use a sledgehammer to break the nut. I think mean, that's the opinion. I, I agree that maybe there, there could have been a better way to do it, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pretend it's an easy it's an easy thing to solve. So I've got some sympathy for the club on this one, but oh, I do yeah. think you're right. When, when crowds are so low, I don't think you can be banning people en masse and closing down sections of the ground. I don't think that's the way forward. Um, Andrew Frost, I want to come to you on this, on this crowd question. What's, what are your thoughts on the crowd so far this season and the atmospheres that have been generated? Um, to be honest, I don't think there's that much difference for this season compared to the other seasons. Um, you could probably counter that by saying, yeah, but look at the league table. We should be more, more enthusiastic. But I think for the past few years at least, since we've come down from the Premiership, there has it's been little atmosphere on the turf anyway. Bar the Derby games and the QPR game, there's, there's barely any singing anyway. In terms of where I sit, um, there's not many fans around me who are slating the players openly. There's the odd ironic cheer for Keith Tracy when he makes a mistake, but I think half of the ground's doing that at the moment. Um, but yeah, I just think it's just a bit flat. But I think that relates to the performances on the pitch. I think when you are top of the league, you expect a bit better than what were performed against Watford last week. So personally, I think it's it's understandable. I think if you look yesterday at Arsenal, they're top of the league flying, and they were nearly they were booed off at half time against Everton because they were outplayed. I think it's just part and parcel of football. I think it's nerves as well. You know, we are playing really, really well. Burnley fans are to pink themselves that we're even anywhere near the top of the league. And like you say, when we don't play as well, nerves settle in, a little bit of frustration. And it is a minority of the crowd, I think. Where I sit in the North Upper, um, there's a few, you know, old codgers who moan at anything, you know, and they're right because they've been going on for 30 years or whatever. Said it all before, said it all before. Yeah, exactly. Um, And they'll they'll never stop moaning. But um, I think it is just, the the fact is, we're top of the league and the atmosphere is crap. It's weird. I don't, I don't. I don't get it. Personally. Well, this this is the the crux of the point from the the two pieces we've had on the site today. Basically, calling for people to get behind the team a little bit more. Um, I mean, if you, if you go into the turf, I'm, I'm gladly admit I don't get to lots and lots of games these days. But when I go and see Burnley, I shout until my voice doesn't work anymore. That's the way I've always seen it at the football, that's part of the reason I go. I don't understand these people who go and just sit on the hands all game and don't contribute 
to the atmosphere. I find it all a bit strange. Um, James, come back to you on this point about the atmosphere. Um, what do you think the club could be doing to improve it? And if you've got any thoughts on, on the NL3 situation? I mean, I think it's difficult how to improve it. Obviously, they, they're trying to get more people on, which is you know always going to be a only going to be a, a way of helping it. You know, if you can get more people on who are positive and drown out the negative people, uh, but it, it's difficult. I mean, the, I don't think the, the ticket pricing's been that bad this season. There's some good offers for people there. Um, obviously, people look at down the road in Blackburn and talk about their uh, ticket prices, but. Obviously, they're hemorrhaging money, and that's probably shows why they are. Um, but I, I don't know; it's a difficult one. On um, most of you, you try to get an atmosphere going, people call it Americanizing the game, and you know, sort of getting the crowd to be sort of puppets. And you know, if you start getting applause signs and uh, laughter signs and stuff like that, so um, it's a difficult one. Uh, I think the. Uh, NL3 thing comes down to, you know, incidents like the Joey Bartons and, and the damage to, to seats there, which I think makes it difficult for, uh, you know, for it to, to police. And it's probably a police decision, I imagine, because it's such a difficult part of the ground to manage. Surely the fans who were in that part of the ground are just going to go somewhere else, though, and they're always going to find a way to sit next to each other. So I've, I've it looks like a sticking plaster to me. I don't think that's the solution at all. Um, Kevin, I think, see you on the crowd next. If you're there, are you there? I am. He is there. Um, what are your thoughts on the, the crowd so far this season? The attendances have been quite low and the atmosphere. It's not what you'd expect of a team at the top of the league, is it? It's not, no. And I think I think we all expected attendance to be down, um, as, as we believe, pretty poor. Uh, this summer and, and of course there were the end of last season was some of the least inspiring football you could ever imagine to see so of course season ticket sales were down and that's a problem because that means there are going to be less fans going on um, even even though we're doing well going on as a walk-on is very different to going as a season ticket holder um, so financially as well as just 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 how you go on I think um especially when we're not doing so well like this. If you're a season ticket holder, of course you're going to go on. But if you walk on, it costs about a zillion pounds to go on. And we've not won in a month. You, you, you're going to think twice, aren't you? I think that's a big issue with, with attendances. Um, on things like the singing section and, and tannoys, I'm not convinced they have a particularly big interest at all, in all, all to be honest. Um, I think they sort of become um, scapegoats for, for wider issues. Um, singing section, I think. I think. I think a problem with singing sections is you, you tend to concentrate the noise a little bit into small pockets rather than the whole ground. Um, I think nobody really sings near me in the gym during back lower. Um, but I, I bet they would if, if everybody if everybody around them was singing. I can, I'm pretty convinced that a lot more people were singing. Um, but people don't like to stand up and sing by themselves they want it to be more of a group a group atmosphere thing i think if you have a pocket of your friend of the ground singing that kind of that could impact um you know everyone else singing i think it's, it's good to have that, that spread around the ground similar to, to tannoy's people say playing the tannoy 
not too sure. Gyms will say that um, in America it works very well. Slightly different different uh, attitudes to sport, I think. But I don't think I don't think it's as big a deal as a lot of people like like to make out. Um, in terms of booing, it's, it's a really weird one because I'm a big advocate of football fans being consumers and it being entertainment. We don't want to be, be entertained. Where you know, we do, I don't think we should have a responsibility to 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 be the team. Think that the team appeared to be the team. We don't. We shouldn't have that responsibility. If we if we're not happy with something, we you know we should be able to say so. Um, I think the, during the eighteen game run without a win, I think it wasn't a cultural over years ago. So the first time we had really mass booze was was I think was the looting game. I think before then we'd been a bit muted, but the first time we had real, you know, quite loud booze was the looting game, which was nil nil, which was I remember the next game went to beat Plymouth four nil. Um, I don't think that's a coincidence. Obviously, this is a very, very different situation. Now, 18 games where I win to be in top of the league, very different. But I think it's, I think it's indicative of the way just a change in in the attitudes was. Well, I think it's a, it's a, it's an issue that it's probably debated at every club across the country, not just Burnley. Um, I think someone, someone mentioned Arsenal the weekend earlier. Um, it is an issue, and it would be great to sort it out. But I don't think there's any small fixes like singing sections or turning the tannoy down that's going to that's going to make any measurable impact. This is it. I mean, it's it's so tricky. I mean, you've just uh, rubbish some of the ideas that I was like to go through actually. But yeah, the, the singing sections, I'm not convinced they work. I saw something actually. I, it looked like a spoof, but I'm fairly sure it was genuine. Manchester City. I think it was Manchester City have been um, advertising for something called stand leaders, where essentially there would be chosen fans um, designated around the ground to try and get chants going, which sounds ridiculous when you think about it, that you would have to resort to something like that. But it, it might work. It might get going. And I think Kevin's got a point in that you don't want to start singing and chanting if there's no one within a 20-seat radius because you feel like a bit of a plonker if there's just you doing it. So, I don't know, maybe maybe that's a good solution, although it does sound a bit ridiculous. Um, you made a point on ticket prices there, Kevin. I think we're going to come back to Adam on that point on the price of tickets at Surfmore. Well, first, I'd like to say I don't think football fans are consumers. I think calling them consumers is, is not accurate at all. We're not just, you know, consumer implies that it's... Um, a, you know, a, a casual relationship. It's definitely not a casual relationship. Talking about atmosphere, I think people, yeah, we've got to watch football. You know, we listen to the football, we follow Burnley Football Club. But part of the match day experience as well is the good atmosphere. It's the few pints beforehand. Um, you mentioned City there. Um, <laughs> you see, you mentioned Manchester City there with everyone their schemes. One of the brilliant schemes they have is the copy of the German model of the, uh, the fan zone. Um, I went to Dortmund earlier in the season. Um, and, and they have, you know, they have the fans on. They're all on the game two hours before kickoff, and there's, there's no Tannoy music, by the way. They, they, it's all provided by the fans there, even in the build-up to kickoff. Um, and so it is, we're not just consumers, and we don't just go just for the match. Um, but moving on to ticket prices, um, I haven't got a season ticket this year purely for financial reasons. I've missed a couple of home games, but I prefer going away games. So I'd rather save my money for those again because it's a better atmosphere. Um, the problem with the ticket prices, they are expensive. Um, and not only that, I mean, that's been covered, that's been talked about, but one point I'd like to make is for the casual fan, I wouldn't pass myself as a casual fan, but 
for you know my family, like my mother or my aunties and my uncles and friends I know, it, the ticketing policy, not just this season, but for the last few seasons, and, the, and it changes every season, the policy of, of how it's organised can be quite confusing. Um, the membership we had uh, in the Premier League in the season after, that put people off. This flexi ticket, people don't really understand it and they find it confusing, and that puts them off a little bit. The banding of games, you know, people think, oh, it's 30 odd quid, but not every game and not in every seat and things like that. I think the club are really trying to address this. I think uh, John B, for example, he writes in his notes um, in the in the program on the Watford game, and he's mentioned it. You know, they've had Sean Dash and a few um, university students ringing around. Um, I think they're really trying to improve it, but they just need to make it simple and lower the price. And I don't think Burnley Football Club could do that really because they need their money. It's, it's a tricky position. You almost need to get all the clubs working together. I don't think the Premier League just for away fans. You have the Twenties Plenty campaign. Maybe we need that across the football league for all home tickets as well. You know, twenties plenty. Uh, some of our back, but I mean that comes down to fan organisation, which at Burnley Football Club is uh, at Burnley fans and Burnley fans fan organisation can be a bit annoying and a bit poor. But uh, yeah, just ticketing, not just ticketing prices, ticketing policy as well can be a little bit confusing at times. Not always put across well. Fan club. I think that was absolutely right, and that was one of the things I, I picked up on. Um, my interview with Lee Hughes earlier in the season, which part two is coming soon, by the way. I know it's been a while and we are getting that sorted in the next few days. But I, I asked him about the ticket prices and he basically said they they obviously have to, to balance what they charge with how much money they get coming in. And it's it's simple maths, really. But it is, it is very complicated, the strategy. And you're right with having the memberships last season. They've got the flexi tickets this season. There's three different bands for types of games and I think I counted them up and match day prices with all the age groups and gold, silver, bronze, etc. There's more than a hundred different prices for tickets yeah. at Surf Moor. And that's absolutely ludicrous. The club complains to say, oh well everyone thinks it's thirty quid for a home game. That's because it's so complicated. You need a PhD to work out how much it's going to cost. And you can put a table on the website and say, oh, it's easy to look at it, but it doesn't matter. People have got it in their heads that it's 30 quid for a home game and that it's extremely complicated to buy a ticket, and that's what they need to address. And the marketing of tickets has been a bit of a shambles. Anyway, I am getting on a bit of a rant about the tickets, so I think we need to move on. Don't, don't, don't mention the ticket office either. They're not the most helpful there at times, but that's the difference. Oh, the ticket office, I think people have different experiences. Uh, we'll go through some of the, the comments that we've had because there are quite a lot to catch up on. If you are listening through Twitter, um, use the hashtag NNMPod to get your comments in. And if you're listening through the chat room thing, get your comments in and we'll get them read out. Um, loads and loads of comments on the atmosphere. So we'll go through all of these, actually. Stato Pato says, people at the server like brain cells. I think that's something a lot of us would agree with. Everyone expects us to play like Brazil every week. It's getting as bad as Arsenal fans, which was a point one of our panellists raised. Um, Jack says, there's only been two games where the atmosphere has been brilliant, Blackburn and QPR. Other than that, the fans have been quiet in terms of chanting and singing. Gang I'm, not sure, I'm not sure it was fair against Blackburn, was it? I'm not sure it was. Sorry, what fair. was that, Adam? Sorry, I'm not sure it was great against Blackburn. I thought it was pretty quiet. No, I mean, I watched it on telly and it didn't look like it was that great, but relatively, I suppose, compared to the others, it's probably been quite good. Um, Ganks has been on as well. He says um, the atmosphere is 
because of the surprising good starts this season. He says people's expectations have risen, but that's no excuse for being a team that gives 100% and trying to play good football. It's because football fans are very fickle. Moving on, um, Jack says Reading as well. Reading's a game that's come up a couple of times. The atmosphere against Reading was quite good. So maybe we just need to play really good teams every week. <laughs> and that'll get the atmosphere going. Um, suggestion from Stato Passive says flags and drums, um, they could work, but it's not something that fans might like. Safe standing no. raised by ganks, that's something that the club officially is in support of, but I think someone else would need to take the lead on that um, and get it all made legal again before they can get cracking with that. Lauren says, maybe the kids need to be encouraged to sing, um, generate some excitement, but I don't know how it could be done. It's in the family stands where it's quiet. I think that's a good point. Maybe something could be done there. Thomas has a suggestion as well. He says we could take a leaf out of Crystal Palace's book. The atmosphere at Sellers Park was outstanding. They have a huge singing section, flags, lads dressed in all black, but we don't need to do that. But yeah, it was brilliant there. Benjamin says anything but a drum, literally anything. I think plenty of people would agree with that. Stato Passel says standing works. Look at Huddersfield, we outsung them. Very good point. Um, Lawrence, yes, discounts for school groups need to do something to get young people on. I think that's a very good point as well. Get the teenagers on tickets for a fiver or something for a few games, see what happens. They've done kids for a quid, but I don't think it's been publicised well. Paul says 20 is more than plenty. I think plenty of people would agree with that as well. There's, there's so many comments coming in on this issue, and it is something that people get extremely passionate about because everyone wants to see a full turf, if at all possible. Um, but there are no easy solutions. When I spoke to Lee Hoos, he was very, very keen to get suggestions, so do get in touch with Lee. You can write to him at the club, and he will be very receptive to your ideas. If you've got something that you think could improve the atmosphere at Turf Moor, if you've got an idea about how the pricing could be improved, let him know, because he, he wants your thoughts. Paul says, Vuvuzelas, I hope that's a joke. They're so terrible. <laughs> and Lauren says, working-class people are historically the heart of clubs like Birmingham. They just can't afford to go on at the moment. I think that's the crux of the matter, really. Price is certainly a major, major part of it, but there's no way they're going to come down. So I don't know what else to tell you on that. Um, one final point on the crowd, actually. We are coming towards the end of the show, but there's going to be a third piece going on the site today on the issue of the crowd, and it's by Thomas Turner. And I'm going to read an excerpt for you now. Adam's got it ready to publish. It will be on the site very, very shortly if you want to read it. He says... Booing and criticising players is like a mince pie. Now, stay with me, it's nearly Christmas, but he says it's like a mince pie, right? And I'll tell you why he says. It's because you have a bite, and for one reason or another, it's just not quite right. And Thomas says, to make things worse, it's quite a pricey mince pie. Say, taste for difference. And yet, and I hope I'm right in presuming this, you would never begin to shout at the mince pie. You'd never tell it to sort its fruit out or get sweeter or piss off back to Sainsbury's. You may write a civil letter to Sainsbury's post-consumption to raise your concerns, but shouting seems to be pure lunacy. And I thought that was absolutely excellent. And that's why I was looking for pictures of mince pies on Flickr before the podcast started. I thought that was absolutely outstanding and, and an excellent metaphor for Christmas as well. So we'll get that article published on the site and you can read all about Thomas Turner and his mince pies and I'm sure we all really want a mince pie now. <laughs> yeah, J- James has just said that little mince pies are apparently better than the Fortnum and Mason ones. Um, thanks for that, James. <laughs> anyway, uh, responding to that, Andrew, we'll come to you. 
Um, do you think that's a fair analogy? Do you think shouting at the players is just stupid, really? Um, yeah, it's obviously not going to help them, but I think it's just, like I said earlier, it's just part and parcel of football. You've just got to accept it. They're getting all this all this money and you go on, you're paying all this money to go and watch them. You want the best quality that you can get, don't you, really? So I think it's, it's difficult one. I can see what people are saying in terms of they don't want the taboo, but there again, every fan has a right to their opinion. As long as it doesn't go overboard in terms of like they they're really really criticising when they're shouting and effing and blinding, I think a certain amount of criticism is all right. I think the professional footballers at the end of the day they should stand up to it. If you can't hack the pressure, you shouldn't be in the, this game. I think. I think that was a good point, but. Um... If if there was people coming to your job and every time you made a bit of a mistake, they were shouting at you, telling you were rubbish, that would probably make your job a little bit harder. So, oh, I, yeah. I, I get that anyway, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Kevin, That's kind of a point um, I wanted to make actually. About go on then, you know, James. imagine if you were sat at work and every time you made a typo, you had someone behind you go, oh, <laughs> it wouldn't make wouldn't make you any better and and not make typos. I'm making off really, really if, so. if if someone came and sat behind me at work and did that, they'd, they'd never stop saying. Because <laughs> actually, realistically, you'd probably just turn around and punch them after 20 minutes. So maybe <laughs> fans should think about you know the fact that they may be lucky that the players don't do that to them. I, I remember um, a story. Sorry, I, I, have a, I have a friend who sat in um, the James Hargreaves lower, and we were playing Blackburn one time, and he shouted at Martin Patterson. He said, "Patterson." What the bloody hell are you doing? And Patson turned round and told him to f off, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> well, I think it affects some players more than others, doesn't it? But yeah, I, I totally agree with Thomas. I think as soon as you start shouting abuse at players in particular, it's just so backwards. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, Kevin, we'll come to you on the on the mince pies. Do you think that that analogy works quite well? Or do you think? That's sensible from a fan's point of view. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a really nice way to put it because it it's puts it in a completely different perspective. We all we're all talking about about it from from a way of essentially straightforward football, but it puts it kind of in a totally different light. Where you think in a different way um, on 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 that, on that kind of thing. If someone saw so somebody tweets. Of a weekend, I can't remember who it was. So sorry if you're if you're listening for the for the lack of attribution. But somebody <laughs> somebody tweeted that they were sat next to somebody, and we 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 whacked it long. And this person next to him complained about whacking it long, saying you know you need to keep it short, keep it short. And a few minutes later, we kept it short, and we go get it up, get it up. And I think that's that, that's a big problem as well because it's a lot of the time we can't win. If if we're keeping it short, then we're getting we're getting a lot of crap. If you're hitting it long, then, then somebody else is going to have a go at them. Yeah, everyone's got, got their own different. different they can't win a lot of the time, No, absolutely not. Um, but I, I, I think I don't think anyone can can really justify booing to players when we're when we're top of a league. If we're bottom of a league, then there's maybe more of a, more of a case for it. Um, but certainly when when we're, when we're top of a league. Even even if, even if we if we haven't won won in a month, there's there's uh, as long as we're not four 0 down at half time, there's no there's no justification for it. 
Um, well, I do want to move on um, before we come to the, the end of the show to talk a little bit about the weekend's game. Um, but the, the next home game is in a couple of weeks, actually, Blackpool at home, just before Christmas. So hopefully that'll be a better atmosphere. There should be a bigger crowd for a local derby. And if we win on Saturday, then we'll still be top of the league. So hopefully that'll make a difference. Uh, there's a few more comments to go through. Um, excellent work on the comments today. Everyone's been chucking their opinions in, which does make it a much better show, so can't stress enough how good it is to have people commenting. Lauren says, the club needs to do something to get the fans back who came on every week when our atmosphere was good when Stan Turner was in charge, and it was about 15,000 on most weeks. Maybe I see those days through rose-tinted glasses because I was about 12, but the atmosphere was definitely better. Jack says, last season against Bristol, we were 1-0 down at half-time. Some booed, but most started chanting, come on, Burnley, we won 3-1. Booing is the wrong way to go. I think that proves it. That is statistical proof that booing is the wrong way to go. Lauren says, it's only a minority of people who are negative, but because everyone else is silent, all you hear is the boo. So that's a very good point. It only takes a couple if the crowd's quiet. Um, and Gank says, he doesn't like slagging off our own fans. At the end of the day, we're all Burnley. And that's a good way to round off that little section, actually. Uh, the crowd is, is something everyone is obviously extremely passionate about. We're all supporters at the end of the day. We all want to see Burnley do as well as possible. So we all understand that it can be frustrating sometimes. But my view is that you just have to get behind the lads at the end of the day. Um, before we round off the podcast, then, we'll do a, a little bit of a preview for next Saturday's game, which is an early kickoff. remember, the televised game with Leicester City. A potential title decider, they're calling it. Well, that's what I'm calling it anyway. I think it's potentially huge and maybe a make-or-break day for the season. Um, James, we'll start with you then on Leicester. What are you expecting from the weekend's game? Do you think Do you think um, Burnley are going to come out on top? I, th- I think we'll win. I think we'll win. Um, Leicester are in a bit of a rut. You know, they they did look the, the best team. It looked like it was almost their league to lose at one one stage when they... We're in a fine run of form and us in QPR were stumbling around a little but they've hit the top and just seem to have imploded and lost all form um, and historically the King Power is not been a bad place for us to go so um, I, think, I think we'll win you know, off the back of a, a tough win at, against Barnsley on Saturday I think uh, I think we'll go out and, and put in a good performance Leicester are having a little bit of a wobble, aren't they? So I think us, QPR and Leicester have all had a little bit of a, a rickety period at the same time. So it'll be interesting to see who comes out the back of it the strongest. Um, Andrew, Leicester on Saturday, what are you expecting to see from that game? I think it'll be a really, really difficult game going to Leicester. Um, to be honest, I think a draw would be a very, very good result going there. Obviously, they're one of our rivals, but I know they're not on very good form, but you just look at the squad they have, some of the players, any. It's guaranteed that David Nugent will score. He always seems to score against us, so we may <laughs> as well put a, hand- <laughs> we may as well put a minus one handicap on already. So <laughs> unless we can score two, we're not going to win there. But um, I'm going to I'm going to go for a draw, maybe a one-one. A draw prediction. We don't often get them. We normally have wins across the board. Everyone's very optimistic on the podcast. Um, someone seems to be ringing my buzzer. That's particularly bad timing. Um, Adam, we'll come to you on the last again. Then, what are you expecting? Um, like you said, really, uh, Leicester have hit a bump and they're losing games. We've hit a bit of a bad spell. We've only lost one game. I'd settle for a draw, but well, I think we can win it. I don't see why we can't win it. Bit of a problem in Dave Nugent. He always scores, but yeah, I think we can win it. Yeah, 
Not too bad. Let's do it. What about, what about you, Kevin? Uh, well, what a pro- what, what a prospect! I think it's, it's such a huge match to look forward to, isn't it? I think I think I agree I've, with, with everybody else. I think I'm actually going to go for a draw. I'm going to go two two. But um, but I tell you what, don't be surprised to see us. I would not be surprised to see us win at all. I think we could grab a grab a two one victory. I think we've definitely got it in us. Um. James, just a, a point I wanted to raise with you about Nugent, actually. Do you think he's going to um, score at the weekend? Uh, most likely, yeah. yeah. I, I think we'll, we won't keep a clean hit, but we'll win. Um, because Nugent will score. It's inevitable. Absolutely inevitable. Um, so, yeah, get down the bookies and have a bet on, on David Nugent. Um, we are going to leave the podcast there for this week. A couple more comments just to go through before we do round off for the day. Um, Rogers raised the point about um, needing a cult hero, someone like Stevie Kindon or Ant said um, the Tin Man, just to get everyone behind the same player. And I think that was a very good point. We don't really have a player like that at the moment. And we've got a prediction from Gags as well. It says it's going to be 3-1 to Burnley. Um, so we are going to leave it there for this week's show. We'll have um, the live blog on Saturday afternoon for the Leicester game. Um, if you're not going to make it to that match and the podcast will be back next Monday thanks to everyone for listening and all your comments have been fantastic as well uh, we really appreciate those comments and um, make sure you read that piece about mince pies that we've just put on the site it's well worth a read so thanks a lot for listening and we'll see you all next week bye thanks all bye 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 <laughs> to the No Name Never podcast. For more, visit nonanever.net. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at nonanevernet. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.